Today we're wrapping up our Encounter Jesus series with the idea of looking beyond the storm. You know, several years ago, a group of us impactors went on a mission trip down south to New Orleans and Mississippi to help rebuild after Hurricane Katrina. And there's one gentleman on that trip. You know, you know those times when you don't have a long encounter with somebody, but you know in that moment there's an encounter that you will never forget. It's one of those encounters. We met this gentleman who's from the Mississippi area and grew up in Mississippi. And when hurricanes come, those people down south, they're like, hurricane? Oh, that's nothing. And that was what his thoughts were. He decided to stay home and, and stick it out for the storm. And there he was, but lo and behold, a storm that was much bigger than he could ever imagine. As the hurricane, or as the Category 5 hurricane came sweeping through, it was much more than he could ever withstand. And the waters just kept surging and coming up and coming up to the point to where he had to climb on the roof of his house. And he was holding on to a metal pole on the roof of his house being blown as the Category 5 hurricane swept through his land. And there he was for hours on his house trying to withstand the storm. And it seems like so often in our life physically, but also maybe emotionally and spiritually, we face storms in our life. Growing up, one of my favorite, favorite Christian musicians, I think one of the best uh, musical talents that the Christian world has ever known is a man by the name of Rich Mullins. And he wrote a song called Ready for the Storm. He says, give me mercy for my dreams, because every confrontation seems to tell me what it really means to be this lonely sailor. And when the sky begins to clear, the sun it melts away my fear, and I cry a silent weary tear for those who mean to love me. Oh, I am ready for the storm. And I'm going to be honest, when I was a little whippersnapper kid, I would sing this song out. I was young and naive, and I would blast this song and sing it loudly and boldly. I was ready for the storm. But then I grew up. And then experiences started to hit me. Life began to happen. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's been some storms in my journey that have really shaken me. There's some storms in my life that really brought me to my knees. And it just seems like the more experiences we face, the more that fear just kind of develops in our heart. I know it's true for me. And maybe that's why Jesus called us to have faith like a child. That innocent trust. When experiences haven't jaded our thoughts or our hearts yet, and there are times in our life, if we're all honest with ourselves, that fear just rattles us. That fear just consumes us. And can I just be real? There's so many verses in the Bible that I read that gives us encouragement to get through the storms that I know in my mind is true, but myself sometimes just has trouble realizing that in reality. You know, words like Jesus' words in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Or in the Old Testament, when God was talking to Joshua with an uncertain future, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Or in John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I read verses like this that's scattered all throughout the Bible. 
verses of encouragement. Yet sometimes I just cannot help myself to the fact that storms just rattle me. That storms just break me down to my knees. And there's moments when I read these verses and I'm just going to be real that I struggle with the validity of it. That God, are you really there? Are you really here in this moment? You know, shortly after the initial dramatic scene of the Twin Towers collapsing on 9-11, it was known that a couple buildings that stood adjacent to those towers were not structurally sound and on the verge of collapsing because their foundations were shattered by the storm of that day. And what tends to happen for us is that life just happens. Storms just tend to rattle our foundations, causing us to be a little shaky, causing us to wonder, will we continue to be able to just stand? Because this is the struggle, my friends. Fear is often developed by storms that we face, and it has the ability to stonewall our faith. That's the struggle I think we're all in. When experiences happen, when fear overwhelms us, it creates storms in our life, and it causes a stonewall in our faith. It just, just kind of blocks us out. And my friends, this is a definite, definite journey. This is my wife, Shelly, and she puts up with me a lot. And uh, yeah, go ahead, welcome her here. You want to hold that? Let's just be honest for a little bit. You know me more than anybody else in this whole wide world. And you still put up with me. What a privilege. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, don't I? Yes, you do. Not and always a bad thing. Not always bad, but I wear my heart on my sleeve. And, and if you don't know me, you, you know that pretty well, that you can read me like a book where, where my emotions are in that moment in time. And I'm just so thankful that God brought you into my life. And, you know, Shell, you have an amazing story of going through storms and of seeing God at work and how he brought you through those storms. So why don't you tell us your story? First, I find it humorous that the topic is fear, and then he's like, get up on the stage and talk. So uh, very real today. Um, but for me, growing up was um, pretty comfortable when I was young. We lived um, in Greensburg and close to family and close to friends. And um, very abruptly, when I was nine, my dad took a job change um, that quickly moved us to Houston, Texas. And it was away from everybody we knew and all that we, um, you know, had known to be comfortable with. And so um, depression is something that has a lineage in my family. And so when it's the right mix of um, things that don't go as planned and then how you react to them, um, it could uh, rear its ugly head. So um, when I was 12, I was diagnosed with stomach ulcers and a couple other um, medical issues that had come from um, dealing with depression and anxiety. And um, so we had a distant faith growing up. I believed in God um, sometimes. And um, I, I knew that he was probably out there somewhere, but it definitely wasn't something that was personal to me. Um, 
And I had this belief in my head that I was an accident and that I had no real gifts or talents and why was I even here? Like, why was I put on this planet? And so when that is like a constant thing playing in a tape in your head, it starts to um, affect how you live and how you think and how you react to things. Um, and I questioned a lot as a um, teenager and a young person, as so many of us do. And I also knew um, that uh, I knew what was best for me, I thought, and, and, it, and it was to take matters into my own hands. Um, but what that brought was a very cold heart and someone that was very distant and I just um, didn't have much hope and I wasn't connected to anybody or anything. And, um, but it was my attempt to build up my walls and to keep other people from hurting me. Um, if I didn't let them in, then there was nothing they could do that could hurt me. Um, and I had, there was a fear of failure, a fear of loneliness, a fear of not being able to take care of myself. And it kind of led me to look for my worth in the wrong things and um, with the wrong people. So fast forward to the age of 20 when I was searching for something greater, my search for significance. And I had become so disappointed in myself and the life that I was leading that I made some big decisions um, that were not very wise, but by God's grace, it led me to a pastor in Philadelphia. And um, he and his wife invested time in me and they saw me for what Jesus could do in me instead of what I did to myself. And Anywho, <laughs> um, they like invested in me and they um, let me do life with them. They brought me um, like silly things to restaurants with them and family trips and uh, camping and things. But it, it really allowed me to see how Christian marriages and families work and how people treat each other. And it was a huge eye-opening thing. Um, then he, uh, that pastor was deaning a week of camp down in Maryland and he asked if I wanted to be a counselor down there and um, I, I didn't really I'd never been to camp before I didn't really understand what that stuff was and I was like well you can't tell a pastor no so like okay and so I went and like in his wisdom he knew I just needed to get away from like what I had done to myself and really just focus on my relationship with God and and learn more about that and so um, that week at camp, it was with fifth and sixth graders, and they were learning, you know, scripture memory verses, and then they had to come to their counselors for their points for their team. And so these fifth graders and sixth graders were sharing with me scriptures that I had never heard before, and I had to look them up to make sure that what the kids were saying was true, but they were teaching me about who Jesus was. And um, so then later on that week, I was reading in the book of Acts and about how people who um, were coming to faith were getting baptized. And I approached my pastor and I'm like, is that something like, do you guys do that? Because I want to do that. And he was like, there's a swimming pool, like, let's make this happen. And so then um, a lot of the other counselors that were there that week, they went to Cincinnati Bible College and they were like, oh, you should come. And I'm like, you can go to a college and learn about the Bible? And they're like, yes. And I was like, oh, like sign me up because I just, like I couldn't get enough. 
And so I called the school from um, the camp, and then by the time I got home, the information was there, and so I filled it out, and I left for school a couple weeks later, 12-hour drive from home. So I was like, bye. And then when I went out there, it was like me and Jesus, and like a, just such a good time to learn his truth and um, just to... Uh, just see how he works in other people's lives and what his plans for me could possibly be. Um, but I will not say that everything was easy and it really opened up a time for me and Jesus to work through like me, like why did I do the things that I did and why did I react and why did I think the way I did? And so um, while I would say that it was a wonderful time of learning who Jesus was, it was also a very difficult time because um, I really needed to work through my stuff. And um, the school offered a master's in counseling, Christian counseling program. And so then for the students, they would offer free counseling so that the master's degree students could get their um, experience. So I signed up for that and I thought like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Like the worst is it wouldn't work and I would deal with this longer and um, you know just keep being me and but the best that could happen would be that there would be freedom and so it was worth a chance um, and so then as I worked through that stuff um, it was it was so great to to find that freedom and to know my triggers and to be able to have wisdom and scripture memorized to put with those things when I was starting to feel, um, you know, badly about myself or about things that were going on. And it really just gave me the tools that I needed to be um, better. And so then as I was nearing the end and I had a couple more counseling sessions left, I met this boy and he had this Pittsburgh accent and he um, wore his heart on his sleeve and he had twinkly eyes, and he wanted to love and serve Jesus all the days of his life. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting, because like, I have Pittsburgh roots, and I want to love and serve Jesus all the days of my life, and I like twinkly eyes, and I'm okay with someone who wears their heart on their sleeve. That's not a bad thing. And so um, it was Bill, in case you were wondering. And um, so as, I was talking with my new friend Bill. I kind of like liked him, liked him a little. And then I was like, oh, crud. Like he's going to be this pastor. And then like, you know, he's not going to want any part of me because I have this like junk in my past and whatever. And I'm like this damaged person and I'm a little bit weird. And like, and so I thought, well, I just need to be honest with him because if there's a chance that this might work, then there needs to be like an honest foundation. And so the one day I was like, I need to talk to you. And so then I just like, like gave it all out and, and I'm like, and I'm in counseling. And do you know what that boy said? He said, good for you for getting the help that you need. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, who says, who says that? <laughs> anyway, and so um, that was just really cool. He's cool. Anywho, um, but all that to say, um, you know, like going through the process was not easy, but I feel like we all have our junk that we need to deal with. And you can't always see people's junk when you're looking at them or when you're just talking, you know, nonchalantly with them. But we all have it and we can be so much healthier if we identify it 
and work through it together. Like think of all the things that we could accomplish. And I really want to create like a new lineage in my family. And I, I want our kids to grow up seeing like, this is how you do life. Like things don't always go right, but Jesus is always with you and you don't have to be afraid. Like he will give you, he will always be with you and he'll give you what you need and he'll give you who you need. And um, anyway, I, I think, I, I hope that you could take encouragement from the fact that like you have lived through 100% of your worst days, like you did. And so, you know, n never did he leave you and never did he forsake you. And plus we're all here doing this together and I think that's pretty great too. So anywho, that's all. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, you know, I appreciate your bravery and not only what you mean to me, but I know you mean a lot to so many people here too. And here's the reality. We're all the creation of our story. We all are. Your story is not a bad thing. Your story is a beautiful thing. Even the storms are a beautiful thing because in the storms, it's God working to develop you and develop us. And so we need to have faith to walk through the storms and to see God continue to work and see what he does. If we all just work together, you will see the strength in your stories, the strength in your storms, and it will make you stronger and better. But we got to get a little bit deeper in this because in the storms, there's fear but there's also a path to defeating fear. There is. And the first step is looking for Jesus. In the storm, we have to focus and look for Jesus. Storms have a tendency to blur our vision. That's the problem. They blur our vision to see the reality of what's going on. You know, sometimes we see Jesus, but we don't recognize him. And there's a big difference between the two we got to move beyond just seeing Jesus to actually recognizing him in the storm. And as we jump into this encounter today, the disciples had this encounter with Jesus in the middle of a storm. They saw him, but they didn't recognize him. Check this out. Beginning in Matthew 14, verse 25, the Bible says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, hear this, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You know, because of, the because of the storm that they were in, the disciples did not recognize Jesus. They saw him, but they thought it was a ghost. They thought it was something else. They thought, this cannot be Jesus. It's something different. And if we're honest, there are times that we see Jesus. But the storms blur our vision. And we don't recognize him. We don't get it in what he's doing. But know this, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of our storms, his words ring out. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My friends, there's moments in the storm, in the middle of uncertainty, when strength is found in knowing that he's there. That's actually him. He's right there. 
It's kind of like a child finding strength and seeing the strength in their parent. You know, several years ago, my family and I, we were on a going west vacation. And we were flying to Houston, Texas. That's where her father was working at that time. And we were going down there and he was going to give us the uh, landscape and the trip through Texas. And it was going to be a fun time. But on our flight there, we were hitting some serious turbulence. And I'll be honest, normally turbulence doesn't shake me or, or make me nervous. But this time we were hitting some heavier turbulence. It was getting pretty rocky up there. And my heart was kind of floundering a little bit like, okay, God, Please protect us on this flight. I've never hit turbulence like this. And there was a moment, I was sitting with our twins, and they were playing their little video games, and we just nailed some turbulence. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And at that moment, my heart sank, and I thought, oh my goodness. And I looked over, and one of my boys looked up from his video game at me, and I could see the fear in his eyes. And I knew at that moment, he was trying to gauge my eyes. He was trying to see within me, Dad, are we okay or, or, or are we about to die? And I'll be honest, internally I thought, we're about to die. But I looked at him and I mustered up all the strength I could have. Just give him a wink and a smile to show him, hey, it's going to be all right. And then he went back to his video game. Sometimes in life, we're just looking for that look of strength in the middle of a storm. I don't know how it's going to come out. I just need the strength. And in the middle of the storm, we can't just see Jesus. We need to recognize him and know his words. Take courage. It is I. I am here with you. He's by our side. We just need to keep looking for him in the storm. Don't stop looking for him. The mistake we make in the storms is that we turn our attention away from him to our problems. Don't stop looking for Jesus in the middle of the storm. See him and recognize him. Secondly, we need to listen and obey. We need to listen to him and we need to obey him. This is where the apostle Peter jumps into the story. I love the Apostle Peter. In fact, I feel on so many different levels I can relate to him because he really is a act first, think later type of a guy. And that's kind of like I am. I, you know, my wife can attest to that. She's the one who kind of pulls me back to reality. I'm like, let's go, let's do this, let's jump in. And she's like, let's think about this. I'm like, why think? That takes too much time. That's Peter. Peter's like, I don't have time to process it. Let's just go. And in this moment... The disciples began to get a glimmer of recognition, of recognition. That's Jesus. It's not some crazy ghost. We're not dreaming. It's him. And Peter wanted to test it out. And look what happens beginning in verse 28 of Matthew 14. It says, the Lord, Lord, Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. As I read this story, I'm just, I just think Peter was saying, okay, Jesus, if, it, if it's really you, if that is really you out there, show me. Have me do the impossible. Have me do something that's unexplainable. Reveal it to me right now. 
And I'm thinking that maybe, just maybe, in this moment, in the back of his mind, Peter was thinking of the time when Jesus told the disciples, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And I'm thinking maybe he's just having this moment of, of reminiscing time in his brain. When Jesus said that, and said, okay, God, Jesus, show me the impossible. If it's you in this storm, show me the impossible. Then Jesus just simply says, come. Come. His words are so simple, yet so profound. Just come. And in that moment, Peter had a choice. He had a choice. Choice one could be, okay, Jesus, I get it. It's really you. You're cool. You're awesome. I get it. Okay, now, I, I, let's get serious for a moment. I, I can't really walk on water. I was just teasing you, Jesus. I was just playing a game. But I'm going to stay in the boat because the boat is safe. I'm going to stay here. And sometimes, my friends, the storm defeats you. The storm defeats us. You know why? Because we stay in the boat. Because we stay in the boat. And we don't get out. And we don't take that step. And there's a big difference. Because the second choice that Peter had was to climb over that side and muster up all the strength of faith that he had and take a step. He had the choice to get out of the boat. And so many times we miss out on the reality of God working because we don't listen. We don't obey. We just stay in the boat. I see you, Jesus. That sounds great. Okay, can you stop the storm? When he's just simply saying, come. Just come. Take a step towards me. See me. Recognize me. Let me do the impossible in your life. Just come. You see, my friends, in our journey, there's so much more action towards our faith than listening. If all we're doing is listening, but it's not motivating our lives towards action, we are missing out on God's best, what he wants to do in your life. I mean, just think if Peter stayed in that boat, what he would have missed out on. What he would not have been able to see. And so often, we don't fully recognize Jesus because we just listen. And we don't take the step. In fact, in the letter that James writes in the New Testament, he says these words in James 1 verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In the next chapter of that same letter, James says that faith without action is dead. In other words, James is a get in your face type of a guy. And he says, listen, if all you're doing is come to church on Sunday, hanging out and enjoying the music time and kind of getting a little excited about the word that's being shared, but then you just go back to your normal life 
and nothing changes, you are missing out. You're staying in the boat. And then when storms come and fear rattles you, you wonder, what am I missing? Because you're staying in the boat. You know, Peter listened and he obeyed and he got out of the boat and he walked. He walked on water. Don't miss God's best in your life. Don't miss God's impossibilities that he wants to do in your life because you are limited your mind to only the possibilities of what you know you can do. Don't let the storms defeat you. You know why? Because Jesus is here. Take courage. All he says is just walk towards me in this storm. Walk towards me. You see, you got to understand this, my friends. Faith is taking the next step and will unleash the supernatural. That's what it does. That's what faith does. It takes the next steps and it unleashes the future, uh, the supernatural. Faith is the key to unlocking the supernatural and God's full potential in your life. The supernatural can come in so many ways. Strength to overcome personal struggles. Being there at the right moment, at the right time to meet a need in somebody else's life. Or to share a message of hope in desperate times. Or it can, or it can include some incredible, unexplainable moment. Either way, when we face our storms, we need to listen, obey, and walk towards Jesus. And he will unleash the supernatural in your life. You will see God at work. You know, for me, I saw God working in so many ways. For my wife, Shelly, it was overcoming her struggle with depression and finding a stud like me. I mean, how cool is that? You know, I could tell you all the ways that Jesus moved in my life. When, it was a, when I was a young kid at a summer conference, when the Spirit of God moved me and pulled me and motivated me to full-time ministry. Or there was, my heart, there was a time when my heart was completely broken by past relationships for only God to reveal his best for me when he brought Shelly into the picture and the realization that he needed to take both of us through our storms before we could come together in the strength that we have. Or there was a time in a, in a low point of my life when I was on a Greyhound bus and I didn't want anybody to bother me. I didn't want anybody to talk to me. But then in that moment, God put this guy right next to me who needed to hear the hope of Jesus. I can tell you so many stories that if I stayed in the boat, I would have missed out on God's full potential of what he wanted to do. But in those moments, it's stepping out and seeing God at work. And he wants to do the same for you. With all that said, we need to stay focused. You know why? Because if we don't, fear will sink you. If you don't, fear will sink you. Peter lost his focus while he's walking in that storm. The storm re-engaged re his, his attention. Look at verse, starting in verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Died down. I remember years ago, I was sitting on a dock along the Sea of Galilee, looking over the lake where this story would have taken place with some college friends. And gazing over the waters, looking at this scene, we began to talk about and reminisce what we thought 
Jesus' actual reflection was when he said these words. Some thought he may have laughed. Some thought he may have had disappointment. And others felt his eyes would have been full of love as he reached out to Peter. You know what? I think that maybe, maybe it was a little bit of all of them. Maybe he had it all. You know, maybe he had that look of a father. A little disappointed. Not surprised. Yet full of love. And in that moment, I see myself in Peter. Maybe you do too. You try to walk towards him, but then the storm just re-engages your heart. And fear sets in, and you were doing good, and then all of a sudden you sank. Yet Jesus is still there, reaching out his hand, reaching out to us, asking the same question, do you doubt me? Why? Don't you know that I have full control in this storm? Don't you know that no matter what happens, I'm here. Take courage. Because in your weakness, you find my strength. Don't you know in the storm I'm right here? Do you see me? Do you recognize me? You just come. And then Peter, as he's in the rough waters, he reaches out his hand to grab the hand of God who pulls him up. And then in that moment, the storm dies. Don't overlook that truth. When does the storm die? Not when you, not when the storm engages your focus. It's in those moments when you reach your hand out to the hand of God. When he calms the storms in your life. Then, and only then, will you realize his full potential in your life. Will you experience the impossible that he wants to do beyond the limitations of our mind and the possibilities we can only see? God is at work. What storms are you facing? What fears are rattling your soul right now? Will you see him? Look for him in your storm. Recognize his very existence in your life. See how he's working all around you. Listen to him. Obey him. Just come to him. Walk in faith towards him. And in that moment, you will experience him in ways that you could never explain before. I know I've, I've experienced it. And I believe you will too. I believe you will too. My friends, don't let fear sink you. But in those moments, in those moments, will you reach out to Jesus and let him calm the storms in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you because you are good. And Lord, in these moments when storms come, May we just reach out to you. Lord, I know in this moment, for those in this room and for those joining us online, we could all probably share the storms that we have faced or maybe currently facing right now. And in those storms, it seems like the future seems uncertain. But Lord, in these storms, may we rely on the one thing that is certain, 
and that is you. That is you, Father God. Lord, I pray that you move within us, that you motivate us towards your heart. Like Peter, may we listen and obey. May we step out of the boat and walk towards you and experience you. And when the storm rattles us again, like Peter, may we reach out to you. And may you calm the storms in our life. We love you. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.